Somebody asked me, and uh, they're here this morning, and I won't point them out, but they asked me while we were uh, on the 4th in a pool. They said, hey, look, I may not be able to be there Sunday, so could you give me a, 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 just a quick run of a, what's, what you're teaching on Sunday? He said, just real fast. He said that like three times. It hurt my feelings. Uh, that maybe that was a long one. Speaking. No. Um, and so I said, I really had to think. I thought, how could I wrap up my message in like a 30-second? And I said, hey, you like country music? And he goes, yeah, I love country music. And I said, you know that song that says, God is great, beer is good, and people are crazy? He goes, yeah. I said, I would change it up, and here would be the, the message. The message is this. God is great, man's not good, people are crazy sinners. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, that that's pretty much all of, uh, all of uh, the story that we look at in this whole account of the flood. Really, it is. that God, God's great, man. Man's not good. But we, aren't good. We, we were made to be good, but then we went bad, and we are crazy sinners. We're sinners within our mind. We're sinners within our... And that's, I'm not just picking on you. I'm just going, I'm pointing that back at me. We will always wrestle with this. So I want to read a psalm to start out this, uh, because I want us to remember that that's the whole thing, that, guys, God has shown his redemptive history of who he is right at the beginning. He showed it with Adam and Eve, right? He showed it with Cain and Abel because he put the mark on Cain, he allowed them to live, and he said, I'm basically, the, I'm your salvation, that people won't kill you. And then, and then uh, this one is all about, well, we messed up again, all right? It's like I talk about those people that can't stop hitting the red button in the back saying, I'm going to mess up my life, I'm going to mess up my life. And you just want to grab their hand and say, what are you pushing that red button for? Uh, just, I just can't help it. It's like a light. It's like a bug going toward a light. Remember that old, I can't help it. It just runs toward the light, gets zapped. In Psalm 32, it says this, oh, oh, uh, verses, uh, with the whole psalm, really, oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin, now think of us, you, me, in this, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. And when I refused to confess my sin, David said, my body wasted away, and I groaned all day long. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. And finally, I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. And I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord, and you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. He says, uh, Therefore, let all the godly pray to you while there is still time, that they may not drown in the floodwaters of judgment. For you are my hiding place. You protect me from trouble, and you surround me with songs that are victory. The Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life, and I'll advise you, and I'll watch over you. Do not be like a senseless horse or mule. That needs a bit and a bridle to keep it under control. What a beautiful line there. That God would say, I don't want to control you. I just want you to love me. I want you to trust me. Look, it says, many sorrows come to the wicked, but unfailing love surrounds those who trust the Lord. So rejoice in the Lord and be glad. All you who obey him, shout for joy. All you whose hearts are pure. So I want you to understand this. This is, and I'm kind of going through this. Then we're going to read through these chapters, but we're going to jump around quite a bit uh, because I, I just can't do four or five chapters in a 
in an hour. It would take me about two days. A righteous man is a sinner who hates sin. So when you look at these things and say he was a righteous man, you'll see that uh, 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 Noah was a, a righteous man. It's a sinner. It's a righteous man is a sinner who hates sin. It didn't say that he wasn't a sinner. He hated sin. But he hates his sin, and he turns from it. And he trusts God. He pursues obedience. And she enjoys acceptance by grace. That's what a righteous person is. A righteous person is somebody who sins but understands they're a sinner. Who understands the grace of God. So when you read, you and I read in just a few minutes that he was a righteous man, that's all of us. It's, a righteous, it's righteous out of us to say, yes, we are sinners. Remember it says, it says in the scriptures that if you say you're not a sinner, you lie to yourselves and the truth is not in you. Right? So be very careful. Yeah, we're all, we're all sinners and that's this story. So in Genesis 6, and remember we're going to jump around, so pay attention. We, uh, the things that I've left out are not that they're not important. They're all important. But uh, I did leave out things that we normally know, that the animals went in two by two. You know what I mean? And every creature came in. And so those are the things that I'm going to part over just so we can get to the point of what happens. It's saying when man began to multiply on the face of the land and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of men were attractive and they took as, they took as their wives any they chose. It says this, then the Lord said, my spirit shall not, look at verse 3, my spirit shall not abide in man forever, for, for he is flesh, his day shall be 120 years. Right here is when God said, okay, I'm going to let man live about 120, 120 years. The oldest man to know and live is 118 years old. There's one right now living in Japan. They're both from Japan, and he's living 160, he's 116 years old. And then, so it says, thy spirit shall not abide with them. So what, what most theologians uh, believe, and I, and I agree with them, is that, uh, that, that these ten men before are, that were in the process and already were, were born and working, uh, these ten men, they lived to be you know, 800, 700, 600, all these different ages because the Spirit of God was on them, and it allowed, he allowed this to happen. And then all of a sudden he says, you know, I'm going to let man live to 120 years. And all I'm going to do is answer a few questions. Now, this is a big one. The Nephilim, or Nephilim, or Nephilim, it's always different, whoever says it, were on the earth in those days. And also afterward, when the sons of God came into the daughters of men, and they bore children to them. Uh, these were the mighty men who were of old, the men of renown. So you go, well, who were the Nephilim? Who were the sons of God? What, what, is, what is all this? Well, the Nephilim were either th- one of three things is what most people believe, okay? Watch it. And all of them, okay, all of them have holes in them. <laughs> all of them we don't know for sure. Uh, one, uh, they believed that they were in the line of Seth. And if you read that line of Seth, and, and they believed that they were a line of Seth. Some believe that these were people of royalty, because of that thing at the end, they were mighty men who were, uh, were of old and the men of renown. They just believed it was some type of royalty. And some also believed that they were demons, which the New Testament can also take that and give a little light to that, that, uh, uh, that there were demons that, that, that were alive that could do it, except he says they wouldn't let the demons marry, so that's the whole in that thought. All I know is that Whoever they were, and we don't know, and they, and because listen, listen, it's real interesting. The Bible doesn't t- contradict itself. I think this is one of these things that God says they are who they are, and you just have to deal with it. Because everybody died in the flood, ready? Except the line of Noah, right? But for some reason, these guys are still in the scripture beyond. 
They're in numbers. They're, in, uh, they're, they're just in these different areas. So it's a very theological hot uh, plate when it comes to saying what they are. I tend to believe they may have been uh, uh, demons because this was probably after the fall of, of Lucifer. But yet, again, when I say that, I'm just guessing. So all I know is they're in the Bible. We know they're there. It wasn't good. And uh, how you deal with it is how you deal with it, okay? But I, I do believe there are some things that we're not supposed to, uh, to, to really understand. We're just supposed to trust God. And so the, law, the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth and that every intention of thoughts of his heart was only, uh, only evil continually. So you've got to remember, uh, Cain killed Abel, Adam and Eve, remember? Uh, and here's what's interesting. Remember they placed, at the beginning, placed the cherubim uh, out, out in front of the, uh, the garden, right? And to say, you can't come back in here. So with all that, it's really interesting to me to think, when did that go away? We have no record of when it went, when it went away. I believe, you know, that maybe even during this time, it was, it was still there. Or God had taken it away, and the oral tradition of what the garden was and how he took it away began to happen, or how it was there began to, to pass on. And you understand that the oral tradition is just what's passed on orally by people, all this stuff that we read about. But I do know this, a lot of time probably went on during this. I mean, remember, they had children, they were, now they were building, making fields, they were starting to be a people, and they were starting to advance themselves and understand how to do crops. It's like Shannon and I were talking today, you know, who ate, I can't remember what we were talking about, but who ate the first fig, who ate the first, you know, all this stuff. How did they find out? And we even talked about that in just a few minutes, we're going to see that Moses had a vineyard and he took some of the... Uh, the drink uh, from the vineyard, and uh, he got drunk, and we'll read about that in a few minutes, but we, then we begin to talk in the car. I know y'all thinking, that's what y'all talk about? It's fun. Y'all try, we started thinking about, wow, I wonder, I wonder how they knew to ferment it. I mean, you know, it's pretty interesting. How did they learn that? How did they begin to go, hey, let's take this grape and turn it into a wine? You know, that was pretty amazing, and then they began to drink it. Uh, but a lot of time, had passed. Uh, and so what I want you to understand is, as we read through this, life was simply moving on as normal before the flood. It was just something they prepared. And God talks about this. Uh, Jesus talks about this in Matthew. I want to read this because they talk about when Christ comes, it will be just like this. It says, uh, when the Son of Man returns, that's Jesus, it will be like it was in Noah's day. That's what's interesting about this. In those days before the flood, the people were enjoying banquets and parties, weddings, right up to the time that Noah entered the boat. And then it says people didn't realize what was going on, going to happen until the flood came and swept them all away. And that is the way it will be when the Son of Man comes. So, in other words, what I want you to see is how abruptly and how fast and quickly this happened, that the water's being the flood. Most of the time when we see in the movies, I don't think we do it justice. I think the water came down fast. I think it flooded very quickly. And I think a lot of people died uh, almost instantly. It was a terrible death. Uh, there's no telling what went on. Remember, this is after, after the garden experience. So the animals weren't nice anymore. The lions couldn't come around you, pet them. The snakes didn't just talk to you and say hello. They ate you. They bit you. They chewed you. I mean, this was something that was pretty rough. And so when we look at what we're continuing to read, life had gone on. If you're ready, if you're ready say, oh, yeah. 
All right, here we go. We're going we're gonna to move fast. You're going to see the verses fly quickly. All right, it says, And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth. Remember, I'm just stopping at points where people go, So the Lord made a mistake? No, no, no. That's not what it says. It said he was sorry that he made man on the earth, and he, it grieved him to the heart. What this is, what I want you to know is, uh, what is not meant is that God is static or paralyzed. In other words, he can't move. God is not like this earthly king or queen who reigns but does not rule. He rules. Listen, uh, the God of Scripture is constantly acting. So the God of today is the same God tomorrow, but he's constantly acting according to how we respond. Listen, I really believe this according to, according to our prayers, according to how we live our life. He's, he doesn't stop that he's at, it doesn't, mat, uh, it doesn't uh, mean that he stopped acting. The fact that God is unchangeable should not be misinterpreted as meaning that he cannot or does not act. There's a difference. So when it says that he's sorry, it says he was grieved in his heart. And those Hebrew words brought together is just like, man, he was just... He, he didn't want to change his mind, but he had, to act, he had to act upon it. He knew it would happen. He hoped it wouldn't happen, I believe, but he knew that it wouldn't happen. Uh, and uh, the reason I say God hoped is that uh, he kept this thing going, and Christ died on the cross. So I believe that God has great hope for his creation. You with me? And so uh, I just want you to know it's not that he, he made a mistake or that he wants to change those things. He's changing based on his creation that he loves and he has great hope for. Then it says this. So the Lord said, I'll blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, man and animals, creeping things, birds of the heavens, for I am sorry that I have made them. He was, he was disappointed in his heart. He, he, he was dealing with this fact that man just could not, even after the first try in the garden, and then even after Cain and Abel, and then now he's going, man, everybody's corrupt. He says, uh, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man. That's why I wanted you to read. He was a righteous man. He was a man that sinned, but he recognized his sin, but he trusted in God. Uh, Noah was a righteous man, blameless in generation. Noah walked with God. That didn't mean that he walked with God as far as uh, like Enoch did. It means that he walked with God. He paid attention to God. He acted upon what God was going to do. Watch this. Everybody look right here. Be, for us today, as we read the New Testament and everything that we learn, uh, walking with God is walking in the fruits of the Spirit, right? Walking with God is walking in the ingredients of what Paul said love was, patience, kindness, right? Uh, all those things, that is what righteousness is. And then when you're not patient with somebody... And you blow up at them? Well, you know that you shouldn't have done that. You say you're sorry. You say you're sorry to the Lord. And the righteousness is there that you know what uh, the problem is. Okay? Uh, remember, I always tell people if they're questioning something in their life, like when I counsel or when people are going, man, I really messed up. I really messed up. And I go, yeah, but you're in a good place. What do you mean I'm in a good place? I messed up. And I go, you're talking to me right now. You sought me out. You want to find out what God has for you. You want to find out how you can get beyond it. It's when you don't contact people that you're not walking and making this life of righteousness. If you're with me, so yeah. And guys, you gotta, that's something we have to work at to understand that we are righteous uh, through Christ. And God's going to cover that sin. But that does not still mean that we... Uh, don't need to pay attention to our sin. We don't need to pay attention to our attitudes, what we think. It says, And Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence. That's pretty much all those, all those Hebrew words just mean that violence. 
And God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. He just kept on repeating that. It says, And God said to Noah, You know, I've determined to make an end to all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. And one of the stories remember that. The violence of the earth, the diseases of the earth, that was all created by us. Out of that garden experience came this. We create violence. We create wars. We create things. We live lives that cause diseases. You know what I'm saying? There's a lot of things that we have to... It's how we treat our earth, you know. Uh, we create pollution. <laughs> we, create, uh, uh, we, create tr- we create trash on the highway, right? It's us. It says, uh, I'll destroy them. And make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Uh, and make rooms, in the ark, make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and out with pitch. So he's telling them, hey, I'm going to make it. We're not going to go through all the, the details of it. Look at verse 17. For behold, I'll bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh, in which is the breath of life under heaven. Everything that is on the earth shall die. That is amazing to me. That those two mosquitoes that start out with two who were millions upon billions that they would all die, which would be okay with me down here. I'd be all right with that. I don't know about y'all. It says this uh, in in verse 18, But I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall come into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives with you. I want you to understand, when we looked at, listen, when we look at how man now for the third time, all right, has showed their corrupted, has showed their violence, and marred this world with this terrible uh, violence and corruption, it is not hopeless because of this word, covenant. Right? God began to say, I'm going to make a covenant with you. And the covenant was the rainbow, but the covenant was also the seed of Noah's family. Watch. That would live on, right? And eventually, it put us where we are now. He said, I've made a covenant with you. I'm always going to pursue you. He said, you and your wives, I mean, it says, in every living thing of all flesh, you shall bring two of every sort, and all the ark can keep them alive with you, and they shall be male and female. So now he's filling the ark. Now look at, uh, we're going to chapter 7 now. Ready? It says, and the Lord said to Noah, you go into the ark, and you and all your uh, household, for I have seen that you are, watch this, righteous. I want us to remember what that is. Before me in this generation. Remember, I just keep wanting to remind you. You say, what do I need to walk with? What do I need to walk away with this day, this week? This is it. I'll show it one more time before we close. Are you pursuing righteousness? You pursued righteousness when you accepted Christ, but righteousness doesn't end there. It begins there. Are you pursuing righteousness? Are you paying attention to everything that you do? Because if we would have been doing that back then, we wouldn't have the flood. It said this, for in seven days I will send rain on the earth, 40 days and 40 nights, and every living thing that I have made I will blot out from the face of the earth. And Noah did all that the Lord had commanded him. I love that line. We could just preach a message. He said it twice in the matter of a few chapters. And the Lord did all the Lord had commanded. That's all he wants from us. That's his righteousness. Are you and I doing all that the Lord commands us? Are we living by the fruits of the Spirit? Are we living by the ingredients of love? Are we accepting people? Are we uh, uh, loving the sinner no matter what? Are we, look right here, are we having hope in a world that seems very hopeless? 
Are we trusting in God for everything in our lives? Are you trusting him in your job? Are you trusting him in your marriage? Are you trusting him to speak to you and for you to have the ability and me to have the ability to listen? Are we pursuing this righteous life, right? And Noah was. And Noah and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him went to the ark and to escape the waters of the flood. Look at verse 710. And after seven days, the waters of the flood came upon the earth. And I believe they came fast. And 600, 600 year of Noah, look, uh, Noah's life, in the second month, on the 17th day of the month, on that day, all the fountains of the great deep burst forth, and the windows of the heavens were open. So what I believe and what most theologians believe is that water not only came down from heaven, but it came up from the earth. I will say that I saw that movie, Noah, you know, the Hollywood version. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like somebody may have gotten a, may have went to Colorado to make the movie. But it's really wild. But at the same time, somebody came to me and said, yeah, all the water coming up from the ground. I went, no, they got that right. Water was just coming up from the heavens. It was coming up from the ground. It says this in verse 12, And rain fell upon the earth forty days and forty nights. And the waters prevailed so mightily on the earth that all the high mountains under the whole earth were covered. And I got this big, thick book in my library. It's a great book. I read it several years ago. It's called The Genesis Flood. And it just talks about even now that they, even now that through all the study of the earth, they can find and say, well, that mountain looks like it was right here based on the... Uh, it's just an incredible flood how somebody's trying to prove that there was a great flood that covered the mountains and it actually caused things to float away and, and put continents together that were never together. It's really interesting. You know, read it. And that all the flesh died that moved on the earth, birds, livestock, beasts, all swarming creatures that swam, swam the earth and all mankind. Look at verse 22. Everything on the earth, uh, on, the, uh, on the dry land and whose nostrils was the breath of life died. And the waters prevailed on the earth for 150 days. So four months, right at four months, a little bit over, a little bit before, just flooded. Can you imagine floating in a big old ark for four months? And it's funny, we were talking this morning, and you, you think, wow, you know, we just make fun and go, I bet you that was a smelly ark. And they say, God's God. You don't know, God could, God could have done anything he wanted. He could, have, he could have allowed the animals not to be as hungry as they were. He could have allowed the digestive system to slow down and... You know, I mean, you just don't know. We, we actually don't know. Uh, but it's really interesting that all those animals and, and every living creature on that boat says this. So Noah went out and his sons. So now they're on listen. Verse, we're in chapter 8 now. So Noah went out and his sons. We, we know the story of how they, they sent, remember, they came, sent the birds out. And they came back. The pigeon came back the, with uh, the olive branch, which to us is a symbol of peace. Back then, you know what it was? It was an olive branch. Okay, I mean, sometimes I go, wow, we're bringing things of our culture today and things that we knew that that was an act of peace. I think it, it could have been that, but to me it was just an olive branch, okay? And I bet you they wished, I wonder if there was an olive on it. I mean, I'm just saying, that's, the, that's my freaking weird mind when I read the scripture. I wonder if somebody goes, oh, there's three olives and there's seven of us, you know? I don't know. So no one out, his son's his wife, and his son, so now they've landed I said, every beast and every creeping thing and every bird, everything that moves on the earth went out by families from the ark. I love that. The Holy Spirit added that, by families. Isn't that interesting? Uh, 
It says in verse 20, then Noah built an altar to the Lord. That's the first thing he did. He said, I want to build this altar to you. I want to tell you, thank you for saving us. I want to tell you that we're going to do our best to be righteous people on this earth. Now, remember that. That's why he built the altar, to offer him. Now, remember, you burnt the altar. Uh, you, you burnt uh, uh, that, that animal on the altar. You offered it up to say, hey, God, and this is yours. And look what it says. And when the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma. And that's interesting to me that, you know, it has this picture that he smelled that pleasing aroma. Watch this. And when we decide to live the fruits of the Spirit and we decide that we're going to be patient that day, I believe that's a pleasing aroma to the Lord. When we're patient, we have patience. That's a pleasing aroma. And when you think of doing something good and not saying, hey, look at what I did, just know this, your father is saying that about you. He doesn't want you to say it about yourself. He just wants to go, man, that pleases me, that you're kind, that you're patient. It pleases me that you love me. It pleases me that you're acting out of love. If you're with me, say, oh, yeah. And I want you to understand, that's that righteous life. That's what you're walking away with. Am I righteous? And I love everybody goes, yeah, sometimes I mess up. You ever said that to anybody? Well, I'm not perfect. Yeah, me neither. And that's what I love about our church, that each of us know. Y'all know that about me after nine years. I'm not perfect. And I know that about you. But we accept one another. We love one another. We become righteous when we accept and love. And we forget things and we say, hey, Lord, I forgive as well. He says, I will never again curse the ground because of man, for the intention of man's heart is evil from the youth. Neither will I ever again strike down every living creature as I have done. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. And when the bow, in, uh, when the bow is in the clouds, I'll see it, and I'll remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. That's the rainbow. And I know what all of us are thinking, because they go, wow, they took the rainbow and they messed it up with a life of homosexuality. But you know what I think the beauty of it is that they don't realize? The very thing that they say, look at us, is a very thing, very picture of the covenant that God made and said, I'm covering you. Listen, it's why he said, I'm not going to flood it again. I'm not going to do this again. I'm going to let you live, and through history and through your lineage and through the covenant I make with you, I'm going to send Jesus, my only son. He's going to die on a cross that is attached to that bow <laughs> that we get sick about. But I just think, oh, Lord, wouldn't it be interesting if somebody in that lifestyle actually looked at the flag one day and never knew God at all? I mean, just don't think of this. This is the way my mind works. And said, I wonder what the rainbow means. And then they find out it's God. And it leads them out of a life to go, wow, we have messed that up. Is that not a good thing? So be very careful. You know, God's not up there going, I'm going to take my rainbow back. Uh, he still shows them. He's st- I've seen them double rainbows. Aren't those beautiful? Because he's saying, listen, I made a covenant with you. So let's live a righteous life and say, no, I don't agree with your lifestyle. No, I don't agree with that. But uh, I'm just going to hope that you'll see that the flag that you cover yourself in it's actually a covenant that can save your life, right? That's the way I believe God wants us uh, to work that out, all right? It says, uh, it says, and the sons of Noah went out from the ark, and they were Sham, Ham, and Japheth. Ham was the father of Canaan. And uh, remember, I'm jumping around because I've only just got a few more minutes. 
It says, these three, I'm in nine now, these three were the sons of Noah. So here we're coming to the close. So watch this, just to let you know, very quickly, I brought us through four chapters to say, man, he brought them to the covenant. Listen, guys, on those four chapters, actually, I could spend about three months. But I just remember we're doing an overview of this because I know there's a lot in there that you go, what about this? What about that? What about that? Well, that just makes, drives you to read it and continue to do some more study yourself. But I want you to see the consistent redemption of God. That's what this is about. It says, and, it says, uh, and from those people, the whole earth were dispersed. And Noah began to be a man of the soil. Okay? So now he began, and he planted a vineyard. All right? Now, it says this, and he drank of the wine and became drunk, and he lay uncovered in his tent. All right? I always had fun with this when I was in student ministry and doing camps because he pretty much fell, in, fell asleep in his tent naked. Now, what you need to understand about the culture then, as we understand it, is that a man was never supposed to show himself naked to his sons. There was a, a curse that came along with it, possibly. You just didn't do it. It was not something that you took lightly uh, on. You just didn't do it. It, it, was, uh, it was something that um, it wasn't right. Although, for me, I just wouldn't want to do it. I wouldn't want to find it, and I wouldn't want to see it. So all of a sudden, he's, co- he's covering it. It says, and Ham, the father of Canaan, remember that, so Ham walks in and goes, whoa. Okay, he sees his dad, and we don't know what happened. There's a lot of speculation. It could have been that he just laughed at him and thought, oh, my gosh, you're drunk. Um, but in just a few minutes, uh, 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 Noah is about to put this little uh, trip on uh, Ham. So it makes me wonder, did he see, he said, by what you did, and, and he was drunk, and maybe he was half out of it, and he saw, maybe he saw, the speculation is he could have saw him laughing, he could have saw him going, oh my gosh, maybe him s- stared a little bit longer than you, you should have. I, I don't, we don't know what it was, but all I know is, I do believe that Noah saw it, and Noah knew it bothered. Number one, you should not be looking at me. You should have turned around immediately. So he must have gazed just a little bit longer. I don't know what that means. It says this, but I do know that it wasn't thought of. And the father of Canaan, he saw the nakedness of his father, and he told his two brothers. That's the speculation that he went back and said, hey, guys, oh, my gosh, you're not going to believe what just happened to me. I went into dad's tent. He's butt naked, and he's drunk. You need to come see this. And that's the speculation. That it was out of that heart of not turning around quickly and saying, I cannot dishonor my father and see him this way. That he could have taken a blanket and backed up. And his father in his drunken stupor could have seen him and went, okay, that's what you're supposed to do. But again, it's all speculation. But I believe they went back and look what the two brothers did. Uh, they looked at him. I bet you his two brothers looked at him and said, oh, my goodness, what did you do? Look, it says, then Sham and Japheth took a garment, laid it on both their shoulders, and walked backward and covered the nakedness of their father. They went on to say, listen, you don't bring this dishonor to yourself, and you don't bring this dishonor to us as brothers. You brought it. You don't bring it to, to, to Noah, our father. You brought it upon yourself. And they never even looked and laid that blanket down upon him. So watch this. Adam and Eve, out of, the, out of the gate, messed up. Cain and Abel, out of the gate, messed up. Clear the earth off. And we don't know how many hundreds of years or how many years had gone by. We don't. 
But out of the gate, look what happens. Even the very people that God said, I trust, and you're living a righteous life. Watch this. It's a beautiful picture that just because your father or your mother lived a righteous life doesn't mean that you are under that umbrella. It means that you make a choice every day, just like I do, to live a life of righteousness. You do. And that's why as moms and dads, they go, well, I don't know what's wrong. Or kid left. Did you live a life of righteousness in front of them? I would say, yes, some of them did. And I would say, some of them did halfway. And kids go back to the half that they didn't and say, you're a hypocrite. And instead of saying, yes, I am, you fight it. And say, well, things were different back then. Were they really? <laughs> you may have different cars. You may have different. We may have not had cell phones. But I tell you what, we were all teenagers and we were all adults. You see what I'm saying? Uh, the only thing different is uh, what? The way we respond as individuals. And their faces were turned backwards, and they did not see their father's nakedness. And when Noah woke from his wine and knew what, it, what, his, young, see, knew what his youngest son had done to him, and we don't know whether that he kind of saw it in his stupor or his brothers told him, Hey, Dad, while you were asleep, we need to tell you what happened. We don't know. He said, Cursed be Canaan, and the servant of servants shall be to his brothers. He also said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Sham, and let Canaan be his servant. Look at this. He became servants. May God enlarge Jacob, Japheth, and let him dwell in the tents of Sham, and let Canaan be his servants. He said, After the flood, Noah lived 350 years. All the days of Noah were 950 years, and he died. Remember, these are the 10 you say, Well, God made their years 120. These 10 men that were a part of that, they, they're going to live a little bit longer, I think, because of these covenants that God is making with them and the Spirit is upon them. So, there it is. Man, God is great. Man's not good. People are crazy sinners. And we are, and we have to see that about ourselves. But listen, we are all under that wrath of God if we don't know Christ. I am no longer under the wrath of God. I'm not, and neither are you if you know Jesus Christ. That wrath has been covered by Jesus Christ and the blood that he shed on Calvary. That's pretty much it. You can't argue with that. But then after that blood has been shed from us and we're not under the wrath of God, he still wants us to live this righteous life. So that's my hope for you. This week that you'll say, man, I'm going to do my best to live a life of righteousness. Right? So as your pastor, there are times where we have people come in and do different work on the buildings and have things that we can't do that they do. And even when they do us wrong, we will always have a heart of righteousness toward them. Does that make sense? We may not use them again, but I can still. Why? Because our reputation is on the line. So that if they ever mess up, they'll say, you know, even in the midst of me having no integrity, even in the midst of me having a break in my character, these people known as Carpenter's Way were always treated me the way. They finished out the contract even though I wasn't true to it. They did what they were supposed to even do even though I didn't do it. But then we're done. Does that make sense to everybody? And in your lives too, listen, your character, your integrity, is it a life of righteousness? So this is what you walk away with. A righteous man is a sinner who hates his sin, turns from it, trusts God, pursues obedience, and enjoys acceptance by grace. So live that this week.